0: This is The Bail List.
1: It's so quick how it happens. Like literally bang bang and he's fallen. Both pieces are ripped out of the wall and he's like three metres below me. (laughs)
0: The Bail List is supported by Wild Earth, your one-stop for adventure gear tips and tricks in Brisbane and on the Gold Coast. Wild Earth is where I buy all of my gear. They have an awesome online shop, plus an amazing new store behind DFO in Brisbane, which you should check out if you haven't already. We're also supported by Awesome Woodies, a small business by climbers for climbers, making exceptional handcrafted training tools that can be used in one place or on the go. Hey, I'm Nicole Grobs. Hey everyone, remember me? I used to upload podcast episodes on a regular basis. It's been a minute since I released an episode, and I do apologise, both personally and professionally. Things have been very busy, but I want to thank everyone who has been asking about a new episode. The Bail List is still here, and today's the day. I sat down with Nindere resident Matt Fingleton to talk about a first ascent attempt on Mount Tiburgargan that just wasn't meant to be. Check it out. So hi, Matt. Hey, Matt. I'm good, how are you? I'm good good. Welcome to my home, we met like 10 minutes ago Um, And you know, like I just said I like doing these ones where it's like a blind date And I'm meeting someone for the first time Um, But I do know a little bit about this story Because you put (laughs) it up on a little Adventure Climbers Facebook page And I've sort of seen you over the years on that Facebook page Like (laughs) kicking around, doing rad stuff But I don't really know... A whole lot about you so just give me a little rundown i'm trying a new thing i don't know if you've listened to the previous season last year no, I but know. i had people introduce themselves at the end of the episode and then um, i would edit it into the start yeah. um which is like my i don't know I, I was doing that because i thought it would kind of people would be a bit more warmed up and sometimes people are a bit like unwilling to talk about themselves yeah. um but I'm, I'm trying something different this year so uh yeah i, w- I want to hear what Kind of a little bit about your climbing background, a little bit about you personally. We were just talking about how you live in Ninderee, which I'm yeah. sure a lot of people are very <laughs> jealous of.
1: Uh, yeah, my name is Matthew Finkelton. Um, I'm 43 years old. I started climbing when I was 30. Uh, I really wish I'd started earlier, because as soon as you embrace that climbing, like from the very first sort of six weeks we did an urban climb, we started just at urban climb, I was just like hooked straight away and I've been hooked for like the last 13 years. Um, so, yeah, my climbing just went from starting in a gym for a year and then went to Thailand for a holiday, not particularly a climbing holiday, but like did my first lead climb outdoors in Thailand.
0: In Thonsai? Uh,
1: Yeah. Or Raleigh? Uh, Raleigh. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and that was pretty cool and then came back and just found some people at KP and Sort of went from there and went to Bria. um And the first group of people that I met at Bria one of them uh, was a track climber, um, traditionally uh, from France. And so we became good mates and then I would just go and like second a heap of stuff at Frog on um when in winter. Uh, so for me I had a little bit of a track climbing start. Um, but then as you know, I went through the years I just also jumped into sports climbing and um, just to push grades a little bit harder and bouldering as bouldering changed because the first um, the first bouldering competitions at urban were literally like strip the walls you know from the bottom for five meters and then put up some roots and throw some mats down there and stuff so and yeah, that's completely changed into its own sort of sport um, you know, there's people at just boulder now, yeah. which <laughs> never happened before. Um, but yeah, I like to do it all. I kind of like, I really don't like getting stuck in one thing. I think if you can climb as many crags as you can, as many styles, do trad, do boulder, um, do sport climbing, multi-pitching, you know, you're just going to have all those skills to tackle any problem that you find when you're trying to site something. Um, mm-hmm or go to a new area or go overseas and do something, you know, you can have more fun.
0: Yeah, Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I might just get you to move a little bit yeah. closer to the mic. Sorry, we've got a bit of a low-budget uh, dirtbag style <laughs> setup here. So, no uh, yeah, the closer the better. It's very directional. So, um, yeah, and you are leaving a bit of a, a legacy on your home crag of Nindery as well. You've been bolting a little bit there, yeah. you were just saying. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, bolting a few eats there. It's, I've been getting good feedback from them. Um, It's amazing if you put up like an easy route, uh, how, you know, a good easy route, how much people like to jump on that when there's not, if there's not a heap of warm-ups to do. So that's been really good. Um, Yeah. and you.
0: Sorry to jump in, but I, like for me personally, because I'm not a super strong climber, I always appreciate when I go to a crag and there's lots of hard routes and someone who I know is probably a very good climber has taken the time to put something up that's easier and seen also, seen a quality line that's easy. Yeah, I think yeah. that's always really nice. Oh,
1: exactly. Um, like, I don't think people should just put up shitty routes because they're there. Um, like, not all rock is meant to be climbed. But at the same time, I just saw something that was a gap. You know, there's a space in the wall that I thought, oh, I think something can go up there. Um, and yeah, like, I thought a really nice route went up there, and it seems like a good sort of um, good route for the area and then and once that went in i just kind of expanded on that and yeah there's a few few things going on there now I've put up a few trad uh trad routes on site and um and another one which was a bit of an epic but uh, story <laughs> another story for another time <laughs> yeah.
0: what uh just for all the listeners out there who might want to go and try one of your routes what's one of the routes that you've put up that you would recommend
1: right. uh so the first one and probably the best one i think is like it's just called read between the lines everyone knows if you've climbed your injury don't worry.com so well there's another. i put another one up between that now but it's like two routes to the left of that uh, goes up into a roof and then if you want to you can keep going out the roof, a horizontal roof of grade 25 and a 26 variant through there, um, yeah it's really fun and cool in the caves area so yeah get that out there, is. get out to Nindri and check it out, You're Yeah, straight past my house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and congratulations and thank you as well because I think like you know especially when it's like bolted routes, a lot of time and effort and energy and knowledge goes into that, so I yeah. appreciate you and no your work.
1: <laughs> um, Thank you. It's actually really enjoyable yeah. like to do. And I, I started doing it because I went and climbed other people's roots. And I thought to myself, like, you'd think, yes, so much time and money and energy goes into this. And I'm having so much fun. I want to contribute back to that. So that's where it sort of started for me. And I, I was bolting stuff last year. I got invited to go and bolt at the sanctuary. Um, at Flinders so that kind of started off for me and then I moved to Nindery and just took the skills I'd learnt there and sort of brought them over over with me.
0: That's so cool it's nice when you can experience that firsthand and give back after years of you know climbing yeah. other people's roads yeah, um, I could never so nice. <laughs> um, so uh, you said something really interesting before that I think kind of plays into Uh, the story that we're going to be talking about today which was uh, you said that not all rock is meant to be climbed yes Uh, (laughs) which I think is how you prefaced this when you wrote a little trip report about this story um, on this little Facebook adventure climbing Facebook group Um, and this was only correct me if I'm wrong but this was only like a few days ago right this is a fresh story
1: no, no, really? this was
0: last year. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you just saw it. Maybe I like just saw it SGA recently and yet. I was like, oh. <laughs> I can't remember exactly when last year. I'd have to look back at the, at the um, story. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was all last year. Um, but to preface that actual story, you have to go back a little bit. And I had another couple posts before that. Um, where a mate and I had had gone to Tibro, and we wanted to climb um, uh, Clemency, which is like just an old school trad route and it goes up to Halfway House. Um, And anyone who's been on Halfway House, when you rappel down from that uh, area, you rappel straight over the top of this giant corner and it's just so crazy looking and you go, oh my God, that's like, that's a trad route. And it's just this giant overhanging corner. It's only grade 16. So we were like, okay, we've gotta go climb this route. I haven't done haven't done that one yet. So we rocked up with all our track gear on that particular day and it's such an obscure old school route. We were like, no one's gonna be there on this route, no one's gonna wanna do it. We rock up and there's literally two guys about to start that route who and no was one it? else is on any other routes.
0: I'm curious who was who was doing it. Do um, you know them?
1: I didn't know them but I knew um, they knew someone that I knew. Yeah. So they've well, been around. Um, and no one was in, on any other multi <laughs> there. And so we brought all this tragedy with us and we went, okay, this is ridiculous. I, and there was I'd done a little bit of, of the other track that was nearby. So there was nothing else that I wanted to do. And I just looked up and went to my mate. Sorry for the word, but I said, fuck it. Let's just like start going up. Um, so we literally just took a step to the left and just went up and we did five pitches Um, 75 meter five pitch trad route from the ground up and just got lucky (laughs) um, that particular day so that route we put up and I named it um, Celestine Prophecy so it's right at the end of the celestial wall and just before it's between Rubicon and Clemency uh, and I called it that because uh, if you ever read this old book called The Celestine Prophecy it's um, In the book, it's all about these particular insights that these people are digging up from in South America, these manuscripts. And as they go through and they find each manuscript, it leads on to the next one. And it's all about your path in life and um, being where you're meant to be. And there's a reason behind everything that happens, and there's no such thing as (laughs) coincidence. So I don't know, it just seemed really fitting for that route. And then, so we did that route. which is really awesome, I really love doing it. and got a good, lot of good feedback just from the act of doing that. Um, Cause I just really like doing something ground up on site. I don't wanna, I, I kinda don't wanna know that I can do it. Like I just wanna go and then if I have to bow, I have to bow, you know, and I, I'm i pretty crazy. So if anything scary is happening, I'll just go with it. Um, yeah, so I did that and then I came back with another friend uh, a little while later, and I led every pitch because the first time we were swapping pitches. Um, and then this time I led every pitch and I altered some stuff and made it a bit safer and a little bit harder in the top and whatever. But when we got to the end and we were gonna write down again, I looked back and I could see this other little bit of orange wall that I thought was unclimbed. And I'm like, I need to come back and have a go at getting up there. <laughs> And that's what led on to the epic. That's
0: where today's <laughs> so, story begins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so you, saw, you had seen what a section of this route, and had you ever been down the bottom and sort of seen how it would, how it would start?
1: No, you couldn't see it from the bottom. So it was kind of like um, when you're at the top of Rubicon, which is the kind of last bolted route uh, climb before clemency, Um, when you get up there and you get onto halfway house ledge, you actually scramble up a bit and you walk quite a bit to the right um, along the wall before you reach where all the other climbs are and the wrap-down point. Um, So I knew there was like a fair bit of space in there, Um, but everywhere you go, there's like bush or something in the way, like you just can't see. And I just had this little glimpse of something and I went, um, when I'd done the Celestine Prophecy, there's a point when you just had to break left because we hit a cave and you just couldn't sort of go straight through the cave, it was too uh, overhanging, and there was no way to put gear. But at the time, I looked to the right and went, oh, maybe it's possible to go that way. And so I thought, When well, I'm going to come back and explore this right hand way um, with someone else. Yeah.
0: Sure. So you'd kind of seen that there was a bit of gear and that it was maybe possible. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see any gear. <laughs> like,
1: like, like everything, you just look from the ground and it looks at Tipro, things look a bit blocky and you're like, okay, like that looks totally possible. Um, and then yeah, half the time when you got to something that looks from a distance, like it's blocky and just easy, it's definitely not. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Classic tip <laughs> Yeah. Um, so who
0: did you enlist to, to go and try this first assembly um, with you? So uh,
1: I met a, a mate uh, through another guy, um, another friend. Uh, a friend, Wendy, I met this guy named Scott, and we'd um, gone out to Canyon Gorge. Mm-hmm. Um, first Love time I there, yeah. And it was like, as someone who likes to do track ground up, I went there and I was like, holy crap, this is like the holy grail of like amazing track climbing. And put up the, the first climb I did there, I just put up a first ascent, and it was just like, this is excellent. Um, so I met him there, and I, and I knew he could track climb, I was interested in it in it. Um, so yeah, I was like, mate, do you want to come and do this little trip with me? Yeah, so organized to the meet him there and, and start up that adventure.
0: Sure, so um, it starts to get interesting right from the car, right from the walk-in. <laughs> so let's just start there.
1: <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so we meet at the car park and um, and he's he rocks out and we're just organizing gear and getting our ropes and our cams and stuff. Um, can I just jump in yeah. there, actually?
0: What I'm curious about, having never done a first ascent before in my life, <laughs> wh- how do you approach um, a first ascent like that, where you really don't know, like, you're not even really scoping the line beforehand. I mean, you've kind of just yeah. seen it from afar. Yeah. So how do you approach that? Like, how did you mm. figure out what gear you wanted to take, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, as a track climber, you, you kind of can only carry so much anyway, which is roughly like two racks of cams and some wires and stuff. Um, And a heap of other sort of safety stuff. And then you kind of max out. But because you've got two people, um, generally when I'm trying something like that, if we're kind of swapping leads, I'll take the two racks of gear and then the other person will take like an extra rack. So if you encounter something on the way where you've just like used too many of one size, like you've got that extra, and you've got someone to sort of help with the load of it mm. um so yeah in that case we just went um what do we take i think we might have taken an 80 meter rope just to be sure um with that single rope uh and yeah i took two racks of gear and, and he took one so yeah sure. that's what we organized at the car park. and then um yeah and then he's i've got my like approach shoes on ready to go and he's just rocked out in his thongs and I'm like oh cool
0: we love an yeah. approach plugger we do yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah I was like pretty surprised but, yeah, I suppose like it's pretty crazy going off with Kibro sure yeah and it is lighter to carry like a pair of
0: thongs I mean I get it more. yeah awkward to wrap in but maybe not I don't know I feel like some people are like all terrain plugger wearers yeah and I struggle I don't know I'm more like a flat you know sealed yeah. road kind of plugger girl but anyway
1: yeah. um, but then I'll I've been climbing a lot of corn lately and started to not wear shoes walking in. So At all, yeah. no at all, shoes. Yeah, yeah okay. no shoes going in. And there's a very easy walk in there. Yeah, um, true. And it's good for to toughening up the feet. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so we, we got all like our gear together, our single rope, all our rucks of gear. And at that point, um, I hadn't really said to him what I want to do. Like I just kind of, he, he thought maybe we we're going to go and just repeat the route that I'd already done. So, as we're walking to the wall, I was kind of like just describing, man, like I can see another line up there, possibly. I just want to try it out. And because we'd gone to Kenya and we'd both been looking at First and I'm like, you know, he's up for it. Like he's keen. And he was, like, he was like, oh cool, this sounds like a great adventure. Um, yeah, so we started walking in uh, on the trail, like the normal trail, and we're just sort of going up the trail, and then. I just went to take a step up, and I'm like, as you do sometimes, there was like a snake on the track, and I just kind of stopped. And, you know, you shouldn't like freak out too much. So I just stopped and like went, oh snake! And it literally just went down off the step I was on, and then just went straight over his bare foot. Stop! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: An argument against approach pluggers there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, luckily it was only like a
1: green tree snake. Yeah, oh, not cute. poisonous. Yeah, um, really cool snake, but you know. Good might have not been
0: as well totally yeah Yeah. (laughs) stressful yeah
1: so that was kind of funny um and like i said in my story uh i'm like a real natural person so um in the past if i find a snake for me that sort of signifies change because snakes like they shed their skin and and, like they're constantly changing like I, i don't really freak out if i see a snake yeah i really like them um so it didn't freak me out but it was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> the snake like fall over our feet pretty much, but it just went on. Yeah. You know?
0: I think it's always really special when you see a tree snake, like they're not that common. So it's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: see, you see him sometimes like climbing. I haven't encountered one on the wall yet. Probably. No. Um, like lots of people, have have been climbing a brea or something, and yeah. then someone's like, "There's a brown snake." In oh, brea, yeah, yeah, it's heinous I'm like, for oh, it. And I never get to see one on the wall, which is kind of cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, we uh, ran into a legless lizard on traction action at oh, yeah. Tibro, yeah. and fully thought it was a snake. Yeah. but um, they yeah, a long
1: pointy nose.
0: Yeah, yeah, we d- we didn't know, and I think we were um. Well, I was on the ground. Fran was up on the wall, and. um and punted it off the wall because, <laughs> at well, yeah, look, at, kind of at me. Yes. Um, but, yeah, like, we didn't know what to do. So, yeah, maybe good to, you know, a little uh, climbing hack there to, to brush up on the difference between oh, snakes definitely. and legless it's, lizards.
1: It's good to know at least, like, what's a tree snake and what's yeah. poisonous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just to know the really poisonous
0: ones. Particularly if you're climbing a brood yeah. particularly at this time of year <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah i hear there's a lot of brown snakes yeah get into little crevices and stuff
0: and, yeah i've seen uh, skins there never run into yeah, an actual brown yeah, snake yeah i don't
1: want to like hit a jug and just like stick my face in front of one
0: fully so, yeah that would be yeah, pretty heinous not ideal so <laughs> yeah. after your encounter with the tree yeah, snake yeah
1: after i found the reptile we just continued up the track and um it had rained the night before so like if anyone's playing at Tibro, you know, it's like this black, kind of really fine lichen on the rock. And at the very base of the wall, it gets kind of slimy because um, it doesn't get enough uh, sun and wind on that section. So, yeah, we've got rocked up to the wall. And I'm like, oh, it looks a bit crappy. You know, do you want the first lead? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, yeah. And I've done, the, I've done that. So um, where I thought we could go on this route was they would repeat the first uh, pitch of the route that I'd already done, and then uh, there's, like, a hard move straight off the blade on the second pitch, and then at that point, I was like, okay, I think that's where it'll go, right? So I wanted to give him the first pitch so that I could have a go at the second pitch anyway and see where it right right <laughs> yeah. So that, that worked out, right? Um, so, yeah, he started off the slimy, <laughs> <like> <laughs> gross pitch, and um, when I'd done it previously, I'd only found, like, sort of a few uh, bits of gear, and in, in terms of the whole route originally, I thought the first pitch was probably the dodgiest one, like in terms of not having much gear, but he um, he actually found a couple more pieces, and then as I seconded it, I went, oh yeah, yeah, there's actually, and thought it was actually well protected. So that was good to like, yeah, find a bit of extra gear on that first pitch. Um, so yeah, he climbed up that first pitch, and then he uh, set up an anchor, and blade me up to him. Um, So that was all good, we are all comfy. And then it was time to do the next one. (laughs) So that was the new stuff. Um, So yeah, we started off. um, Yeah, I swung over to lead, took all the gear. um, And on that particular start of that pitch, you kind of stand on a block and then there's this thin little crack right in front of you. And there's some hard moves straight after that. And if you don't put anything in that crack, You're pretty much gonna just fall straight on the blade onto a ledge. Um, So yeah, put in like uh, little RPs, so anyone who doesn't know track gear, RPs are just tiny little brass nuts, um, really small. Uh, So I put one in there and I was about to do the move and it was still a bit slick in that section, like I hadn't dried off properly, the wind wasn't on it. Um, so I went, okay, I'm going to put another piece here <laughs> and kind of locked a, a bigger RP over the small one and I was like, and equalized those two. And I was like, yes, that's great. Um, so yeah, just did the first couple of moves They were the same. I've done them like twice before already. So I was like super comfortable in that section. Um, I graded those moves like 19 before. Um, so yeah, just did that move. And then as soon as... I did that, you kind of stand on a ledge, you got like a vertical finger crack to kind of hold you in, and from that point I started to trend right. Um, and as soon as I started, I was like, this is harder <laughs> than <laughs> the other way. Um, so.
0: And was it wet? Or like I slippery? Wasn't wet,
1: like it, was, it stopped being wet, but it was, yeah, that typical tibro. Um, even when that black lichen is not wet, mm. it's kind of like. Spoogey. Or even if it's dry, it's, it's like a dust. So yeah. you kind of, you reach up to a flat hole or something, you'll have to dust it off to be able to use it. So that's another thing, like doing a first ascent is every hole you touch, if no one's touched it before and you don't know whether it's going to stay on the wall. So you have to just climb lightly. Like I was saying to you before, <clears throat> it just teaches you to be really gentle in the way you climb and just climb with purpose. And yeah, just don't weight in it, like equalise your weight really well and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I started coming across. There was like a bit of a dodgy hole that I thought might come off and it did later on. But, <laughs> uh, Spoiler alert. It, it didn't for me. <laughs> um, so I just kept climbing through and I was finding gear. It was okay. There was like a fair bit of gear and it was just getting steeper and I got to a bit where there's like a vertical crack and it took a really, like a really good wire So I clipped that in, and I got up, and I actually got a hand jam, which is, like, rare on Tibro. Tibro, it's not like climbing a frog. It's not, like, a series of cracks you follow. It's just, like, blocky face climbing, and you're just looking for places to put gear. Um, So, yeah, got a bit of a hold in there. And then on the next part, I can see, like, a bit of a side pull, like, out of stretch above my head. And I... This is like a move that got a little bit hard, and I'm like doing it above some gear. I've done some hard moves already, so I'm a bit like it's starting to get a bit a little bit stressed. Um, and I'm trying different ways to do this move, and I'm like, okay, dude, take, <laughs> which is really hard because I like if I'm doing something ground up, I want to do it on site, I don't want to fall, and I'm like, okay, just take. <laughs> I need yeah. to like figure this out. Um so yeah, I'm trying to find a way to do this move, i like I can see possible holds. And if you are, say you're in a scenario where you were just doing a route someone already, had already done, you would have a grade for that route, you'd have some sort of a description. And so you go, you know that move is possible because someone's done it before you. You know there's probably something there, but because you're doing it sight unseen and just trying to make it up as you go, you just have to yeah, sort of hope and trust that there's something there. So I did some weird move where I had to climb sort of left, put my foot on a block which I thought was going to pop out and kill my belay to make a move to get to this other hole and I'm like, oh yes, God, thank God that is a hole <laughs> and there is a piece of gear I can put next to it. So I did that, that was all fine um, and continue climbing on And At this point, I'm just sort of going, I need to find a belay soon. Like if I keep doing harder and harder moves up the wall and then I get to a point where I can't belay Scott up, it's just gonna be really hard for him and it's gonna be really scary and not safe. So at that point I'm like, okay, I'm ready to find a belay now, I need to find something. Um, And just above me was like this little section orange rock and anyone who's climbed like Rubicon and the other bolted things on that side of Celestial Wall, it's like the orange rock is like the really nice bomber stuff. so I could see this little bit of orange stuff above me, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to work towards that. Um, so I reached over this this little ledge that was there, going, I need to find something up inside that. And it was just, this ledge was nice rock, but it was just slopey. And I just went, okay, I'm going to have to do, like, this heinous mantle on this slopey ledge now. And I knew I wouldn't be able to reverse it if I did it. So I just had to do it. There's <laughs> nowhere else to put a belay. <laughs> how
0: run out were you at this point? I know, it,
1: um, to say that it wasn't run out, like uh, the pieces below me were probably like my body length or something, so it's not like stupid um, distance to fall or anything, but it's just, yeah, you just don't want to fall. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Especially <laughs> with a trap yeah. um, So yeah, I did the move uh, knowing that I wouldn't be able to reverse it, and I stood up in this little alcove, this little scooped alcove, and I'm like... From underneath, I thought I could see like a horizontal crack or something, a break that I could put stuff in. So I stand up and there's like nothing to grab. You're just on your feet on this little slopey ledge, and then the crack that I thought was the crack wasn't a crack it was just like a coloring <laughs> rock or something Shit. Yeah. so i'm like okay so i keep moving to the this side of the yeah, Keep going. um so i moved like not too far to the side just kept following that little nice bit of rock along and i got to the end of it and i'm like looked up and i'm like it's just back into the black rock there's nothing else there i'm like okay i need to find something this is it i gotta find something here um so i just found this little kind of little nest of cracks that were in front of me and they were like really quite small. Um, and so I made my anchor there and I had like a 0.75 dragon cam, which is like a, um, I think it's a green one.
0: It's very small. Purple. Is it, oh, it's not
1: too small. Like that's okay. Oh,
0: I thought it was, I, for some reason when I read that, I thought it was like a, one of the really tiny ones. Oh,
1: uh, the other two were tiny, tiny, Oh, tiny right. Okay. Like micro cams. <laughs> this one wasn't too small. Okay. Like this was like one you'd happily sit on. Um, so th- it's kind of the one that made it sane. <laughs> um, so I got that one in, uh, not too deepy. There was kind of a weird flaring crack. And then just underneath that, the only other place I could put, cause you wanna, if you're doing like a, a trad anchor, you wanna have three pieces ultimately, if you can. Um, and got two like, of my smallest microcams I had <laughs> Into this other part of the crack, and I equalized them all with a uh tied a figure eight in the end of that, so it was all equalized, mm-hmm. and then clipped myself directly into that with mm-hmm. like a locking beaner in my belay loop. Mm-hmm. And then I also, as an extra safety, um, put my adjustable safety onto the biggest piece, the 0.75. Well, that's uh, a
0: good idea. Yeah. Just because yeah. <laughs> I know there's a few like, newcomers, a few young players listening to this, can you explain really briefly like why you, why you would equalize a trad anchor? Um, so or or I mean, any anchor, really. Yeah, any <laughs> yeah. anchor,
1: definitely. Yeah. Um, so even if it's a bolted anchor, but sp- specifically if you're dealing with track gear, um, if one of those pieces was the pop, you want equal pressure on all the pieces at once. So when you equalize three pieces, all of those uh, pieces of the anchor are taut on each piece so that if one piece popped, it wouldn't put additional pressure pressure on the other two, like a shock loading. Um, and so that's the idea of trying to get as much as in as you can. You know, you can do more than three pieces, but then you've got to add extra, it just gets super complicated. So um, yeah, you just want to keep equal pressure on everything. Uh, just, To take all the loads off, you know, make them as minimal as possible. Yeah. Work later
0: on. (laughs) Yes, yeah, (laughs) because minimizing the risk of of shock loading kind of minimizes your chances of anything ripping out of the wall or you know any gear getting damaged or anything like that, which is what we're always trying to avoid. Exactly. Um. So when uh. So you felt pretty safe on that anchor. I felt
1: good. I was like, I kind of put it on there. Jumped up and down and up and down on it a little bit. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. This is holding my weight. Um, and at this point too, like, I'm probably 20 kilos less than my partner was. So you know, he's a big boy. Um, and I was like, I need to make sure this is good. Um, so yeah, I was pretty happy with it. And I, but I also had I don't know six or seven pieces down to where he was below me as well. So even at that point, if something went wrong with the anchor and he fell and the anchor just blew for some reason there's like a heap of pieces below me to catch us but ultimately you want yeah your anchor to be super solid
0: yeah yeah right. <laughs>
1: yeah um so i put him on belay I'm like yep yeah, come on mate time to come up um and he'd seen me sort of and as i was climbing as well i was obviously conversing with him the whole time and i'm like um dude this is harder than you know <laughs> what i was doing before this is this section's hard and blah blah and he saw me trying to do the weird move and whatever so he starts off and then i think uh, i mentioned before that there was like a dodgy hole that was pretty close to the as soon as i went right um earlier on so he starts going through and literally like four moves into coming up he's just like, my blade just goes tight oh. as I'm watching him. And that hold he literally grabbed that hole and it exploded out of the wall, and he just fell uh, backwards. Yeah, because
0: um, Tibrow is loose, I think. For anyone that's maybe only climbed it, um, not only, but, yeah, <laughs> if, if people have only climbed it Slider. Or even, say, traction action or something that's sort of really well trafficked. You might not realise, but there are parts of the mountain that are, in fact, significant parts of the mountain that are quite (laughs)
1: loose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As you move from a celestial wall and you keep coming around to the side that cops more sun, uh, definitely there is stuff there that will just come out. (laughs) So we'd already encountered some of that, like, on the way. A lot of it is avoidable. So you just try to avoid it as best as possible. But yeah, sometimes you just grab something that's gonna come off. Uh, so you gotta be real safe. So yeah, that's what happened to him. He, but it, you know, he was seconding, so it was all cool. He just fell like a couple of meters, got caught by the rope and was like, oh shit. <laughs> that was unexpected.
0: <laughs> Had you used that hold or did you skip um, it?
1: I touched that hold, but I, it felt like a bit dodgy. And I'd said it to him, like, I, I think there's a dodgy mm-hmm. holding behind this block and but when you're just climbing along sometimes you just grab something and it'll feel okay and put your weight onto it and then it's not um but yeah so that's what happened to him he grabbed that and fell um so that's fine he swung back on and then he just continued on he's taking my gear out um coming up and also at that point because he'd fallen on the anchor and I caught him on the anchor it, it just gave me that little bit more sort of um assurance that I'd set a good anchor um and I was kind of glad that he'd fallen earlier. So yeah, that was good. And yeah, you kept coming up with not too much worry, um, just pulling out pieces. And so sort of, yeah, agreed that spot where I'd done the weird move was like a bit hard, but you know, and again, like I said before, <clears throat> once you know it's doable and a way to do it, you see someone do it, you know, you can, it's in your mind, you can do it, um, it's possible. So, yeah, he did all that, pulled that out, and then, yeah, came up and did the slopey move onto the thing, and he kind of shat himself a bit. He was <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. But I was like, just, yeah, you're good, man. <laughs> so, yeah, he did that move, and he came up to me, and um, and then came over. And so at that point, it's just me and him both clicked into the anchor. All the other gears off the wall, he's cleaned it all and brought it with him. Um, and at that point, he's... I asked him, do you want to do the next pitch? And he's like, yeah, okay, no worries. He wanted to give it a go. Um, so I gave him all the gear and he's all ready to go. We sort of sort the rope out. So I'm on belay uh, in a different way than you know when I'm belaying him up. Well, actually, for that point, I had two different belay devices. So when I was belaying him on my anchor from him seconding, I had him just auto-blocked on an ATC Um, I just find that really easy when you're on the anchor to control, um, there's no slippage through like a grig or anything when you're like, uh, doing it that way and it just auto locks straight away, which happened when he fell. Um, but then when he went on to do the lead, I swapped to a grigri, um, particularly because when I looked up from where my anchor was, there was like this kind of tottering pile of things like straight above our head. Um and I was kind of like we had helmets and everything, but I was like, you know, if I got knocked out like I'd have that extra assurance of like a self-locking device. That's so, so smart. Yeah. Um, which turned out later on that it was good that I used that particular device. Um but yeah, so he's all good to go and it's kind of again that black tip row and I am like looking for gear and okay, which where are we gonna go, kind of just talking about it as he's about to take off. Um, And about a metre and a half above our anchor, I could see like one obvious spot and we sort of agreed, okay, like you can kind of not do too much of a hard move and get a piece in there. Um, So that was like a 0.5, so it was a bit smaller than the other one. Still not like tiny, tiny, but on the smaller scale. Um, So he reached up there, put that in, put the rope in, all good. Uh, And then he started to move to the right a little bit. and. There was like a rock out there that I thought looked dodgy that at one stage when I was sort of sorting out my anchor, I was like, oh, there's like a crack there. I could use that. But I looked at the rock and I'm like, there's a there's a crack running right around that. Like if I put that piece in there and it got loaded, it could literally just explode it off just from the pressure of the cam opening onto it. Um, <laughs> so he starts to climb and he and he hits that hold and literally again... Like, the rock just explodes out with his hand, and he flies back and lands next to me on the wall, just caught by the single piece above us, and me on the anchor, and at that point, he got a little bit freaked out, and he just said to me, like, oh, well, that's the second ever, like, fall I've had on track here, <laughs> and I'm assuming, like, the one down the bottom was the first one, <laughs> so... That was cool, and but he still wanted to have another go. That's badass. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, that's cool. And the piece held, so that was great. Um, so the fall wasn't bad or anything. It wasn't a factor two fall at that stage. Like It was just equally the same distance it wrote from my belay to the piece and then back to him as he fell straight next to me.
0: Yeah, let's just talk about that for a second. So factor two falls. Yeah. Um, can you just explain what that is?
1: <laughs> so my knowledge of a factor two fall is when... Uh, say you're blanking somebody out um, and say the piece is like one metre away or one and a half like it was in this case, if you'd fallen twice the amount of... If they'd fallen twice the length of the distance of the rope from you to the piece, um, the the distance of rope from them to the piece was twice that length, then I, I, I think, by definition, that's a factor to fall and... Why it's so important is, is that it actually increases all the forces that happen on all the pieces, on the anchor, on the rope, everything by a lot, um, probably by two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you ever like look at your rope, when you're buying a new rope, it'll say something on it like, this rope is rated for like between five and seven factor two falls. So you can only take that many falls of that force and then you need to get rid of your rope. Um,
0: oh i didn't know that yeah yeah wow. so,
1: yeah always look at your rope like i mean in 13 years of climbing i think it's that and maybe one other factor to fall like it's not very often you're going to have a factor to fall um, so if you make good choices yeah 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 exactly um but yeah things are unpredictable in the world of track um so, and anything can happen as well. Like it's, it's part times. of the
0: reason, um, factor, or preventing factor two falls is part of the reason why when you're multi-pitching you always clip the anchor yes. before you start up to the first bolt. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so that if you didn't make it to the first bolt or the first bolt blew, um, you were still caught by a piece on the anchor as well. It would probably still be a factor two fall, but...
0: Yeah. It would reduce the load yeah, coming down the on load. the yeah. gear, yeah. yeah.
1: Um so yeah, that's Sage swung in next to me, he's still on the piece, the piece is still in the wall. Um and he's like, okay, I'm going to go again. Okay, so reassess and obviously that hold's not in there anymore. So unfortunately, it didn't make any new holds, like sometimes when a rock falls out, it like makes another hold underneath or something. Um that didn't happen. <laughs> so he we, we kind of looked up again and then went, okay, I think, you know, there's a hole there, there's a hole there, and, like, maybe it looks like there's a possible piece up there. Um, so we, we kind of guessed what we, what size piece we thought the one we could see was from the anchor, and he sort of had that on his harness ready to go and then climbed up again through that section and he got to a part of the hold, and I think it's like classic Tibber rock. He's grabbing something, and he's like, "Oh man, this hold's slippery!" While he's trying to get this piece in, and he goes to put the piece in of the size he thought it was going to be, and it wasn't that size. So he had to, you know, hold onto the shitty hold, put the piece back on his harness, find the other piece that he thought it was going to be, and he's putting it in, and he's kind of shaking at oh, that point, God. <laughs> and then, like. At that point, I'm like, fine. It wasn't that much further than where the other piece was. And he'd already been caught on the on the first piece that we put in. So I'm not too stressed about it. Um, so he gets the next piece in that he wanted to put in there and shakily clips the rope in. But as soon as he clips the rope in, he comes off. And, like, it's so quick how it happens. Like, literally, bang, bang. And he's fallen both pieces are ripped out of the wall and he's like three meters below me um, and taken like a factor to fall straight onto the anchor with no other pieces in the wall.
0: So all of the pieces that were in below him ripped? Yeah. And the one, it's so, sorry, the, the, he had two pieces in and then he clipped a third?
1: No, just two pieces. Oh, right. So okay. He was still hanging on the one that he'd fallen on on the previous wall. And so we just assumed that's a good piece. Like sure. it's, it's fallen on already, it didn't come out. Um, so didn't bother to check it or like reassess that yeah. and just continue climbing and just had the piece that he had trouble getting in. So obviously that piece came straight out when he fell and then he's just put extra load on the other piece that he already fell on and that's just come out as yeah. well. Um, and it just happened so quickly like literally when I wrote about it because I, I came home that night and I just thought I need to just write about this and get it out and it was more a case of like a cautionary tale of like you know just got to be careful like always be careful because anything can happen um, and I was just sat there writing about it and then I just thought yeah like literally you can just blink and from the point of, like, blinking to opening your eyes again, like, someone's fallen, like, that quickly. Um, so, yeah, literally, he fell past me to my right, um, and I, I think I must have kind of swung to the left a little bit to avoid him as he went past me, because he was climbing pretty much vertically, almost above me. And um, as he's, like, gotten caught by the rope, um, at that point, because he's fallen to my right, his... Uh, lead rope swung over the top of my arm, and I'm because I pulled straight down on the brake side of the um, blade device, which is the grigri, and the lead ropes like come over my arm and kind of lock my arm to my body, um, and I'm s- sort of twisted to the side, like looking down at him, and he's just kind of starfished, <laughs> caught by the rope, and I'm just like looking at him with the blurry background of the bottom like forty five meters away, and then I just like. Look it back up at my anchor and I'm like, yep, still holding. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and it's just like that split second where you're like, if that didn't hold, like, and just exploded out of the rock, we would have just both tumbled 45 meters to the ground, and either, you know, survived being pretty messed up or being dead. Those things are pretty amazing. Um, that moment, I, I think you can trust the, that the gear can do the job it's supposed to do. It's whether it's about where you placed it. Sure. Um, And you can only assess that visually as well, like, because you just see what's in front of you. You don't know what fractures are in the rock behind you or what's going on um, with the rock. So you just try to be as precautionary as you can, be as safe and sound as you can, yeah, and equalise things. And, yeah, in this case, it worked. Um,
0: And was he okay, your
1: climbing partner? uh, He... He sort of banged his ankle on the wall a little bit. Um, it wasn't like he had a big sprain on his ankle or whatever. And while he's hanging there, he sort of said, oh, my ankle feels a bit sore. And I said, dude, like, I can lower you to the ground from here. We're still close enough to the ground. Like, if you want to, I don't care about the gear. Like, we can bail if you like. I can just lower you straight off the grigri. And he's like, no, nah, it's okay. I'll, you know, come back up to the blade. Um, so, yeah, to his credit, he came back up because it would have been very easy at that stage to just go not get me out of here um, which would have been fine um, very understandable <laughs> so yeah got him back up to the blay and hooked him back in for um, the safety to the blay, and he was like a bit shaken and just was like that was like pretty messed up and just kind of as, at the, as well as me, just I'm really glad that play sort of, you know, held us and I kind of just touched all the pieces with my hands and just like,
0: oh,
1: thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was good.
0: How far yeah. do you think he
1: fell? Oh, not very far. So he was like three metres below me, but he was probably like two metres up, you know, the piece that he was trying to put up above me was another two meters up, so he's fallen like five meters. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, fallen five meters. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of whippers, it wasn't like a massive whipper, but it was more that, yeah, there wasn't anything else there to catch him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was good. Um, so, yeah, he got up to the play, and then he was like, yeah, you can have a go if you want. <laughs> Your lead. I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no worries. Um, And so, where we put that first piece that eventually popped out, um, like I said, there was nowhere else to put another piece. So I would like put the piece straight back in the same <laughs> spot. Um, and I looked at the, like I assessed it, and I looked at him like I don't know why it popped out, like because you could see like where the um, the lobes of the can had ripped out of the hold it was like black rock there and it just kind of scraped the black away to reveal some orangey stuff underneath. So I was like, I put it in and I'm like, it feels good to me. Maybe I put it in slightly differently, I don't know. Um, But yeah, I used the same spot. So we um, got all sorted out, he got back on the anchor and I went off to lead it, took all the gear with me. And at that stage, I didn't feel too... I wasn't on I scared about doing it. I was like, okay, it's my go. I've got to step up. Time to have a look. Um, so yeah, put that piece back in. Clip my rope into that. And while I was on the blade, you know, and blaying him up from before, I was like, uh, I could see how I would like to climb it. Um, how I, you know, using my skills, what the way I would go. Um, so yeah, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do that. So I just reached out to like a big side pull on the side and kind of tensioned myself over. Um, to a spot and pulled up and on and at this point i'm like kind of traversing sideways like three meters or so um and i did that move off the blade i'm like cool i'm, I'm going down i'm like gotten past all the, where the scary shit was happening um into new rock and i pulled up and i'm like yep no more gear okay you just keep climbing and that just kept happening for another 10 meters oh God. <laughs> so i was climbing um sort of traversing left for three or so metres because I was trying to avoid that big stack of rocks that was above us because um, I could have kept going straight up but then I would have probably been touching the things that looked like they were just going to fall on us. So I we went a little bit left and then went straight up. Um, and, and there was a point where I was probably like eight metres off the blade and I was like thinking, oh, this is just that one can that's already popped out of the same spot <laughs> that's going to catch me if I fall Um The climbing wasn't too hard But it was just like It was a little bit Of a mind game then And I just got up To that 10 meter spot And hit like A little bit of a roof And there was like A big crack in there And I was just like Oh thank god (laughs) So I stuck A big piece in there And um And went Dude I got some gear in (laughs) Um And at that point I was like Above the blocks That were above the blade And I looked back And I'm like Oh mate Those blocks Look terrible Like there was a stack Of like microwaves Straight above his head (laughs) and i'm like okay well i can't even i need to put in enough gear to keep the rope on an arc around those blocks so that the rope doesn't even come across and get caught on it right get sort of climb above him and across him um so yeah extended my piece out of this roof and then just kept climbing and at that stage um it was kind of like this traversing little roof that just went along on a diagonal and I'm just sort of under this roof the whole time and I'm just constantly looking for a way up. And every time I'll go along, I'll put another piece in somewhere when I can find one. And I'd sort of blindly reach up over the edge and it'd just be more of that black, like, <laughs> dirty tip rock. And I'm just like, and they're all slopers. There's nothing like great to grab. And I'm like, I just can't find a way up. <laughs> um, so I just get kind of getting pushed left on a diagonal. Um, and eventually, after another 15 meters or so going left, I just re-encountered my other route. Oh, right. <laughs> like, you know, like, so I'd done this thing where, so on the other route, it, you hit a cave, you turn left, and then you go to the end of the cave and you go straight up. So this time we have gone, tried to go right around this cave, and basically so we, all we'd end up, ended up doing was going right around the cave, heading straight up, encountering all that scariness, and then hitting a roof, which just led us back above the cave, back to the other side. Um, so at that stage, I was like, stuff this. <laughs> um, and just set up... Well, it was getting really long, too, and it was all kind of freaky. So I just set up another blade at on my route um, and said, "Yep, yeah, come up. And he got through that all, okay, then sort of followed what I'd done and came back up. And he just he got over to me, and he was just like thanks, dude, <laughs> <laughs> for getting us out of that. Um, and, yeah, so at that stage, it was like, okay, well, the mission of trying to get up to this new section of rock is gone. Like, we're back on the other route now. And then we look behind us, and you can kind of see, like, Beer Burrum and uh, out to the coast from there. And we just had this big circle of rain, like, coming in. Like, we weren't in, in rain, but we could see, like, this... Kind of circle of rain encircling the mountain yeah. and coming towards us, I'm and like,
0: it comes in fast. Yeah, yeah.
1: So you're just like, I don't want to be trapped on here. Like it's so slippery, yeah. <laughs> and we've had enough now. Yeah. like, oh yeah, I've had enough. And um, when we looked over to the left, you could see like four meters or so away some of uh, the bolts from Rubicon, and we're like, okay, we need to get off here. How are we gonna do this? Um, so we ended up. I'd set the blade up, brought him over and we're like okay we need to get over to that single bolt <laughs> we need to wrap off that single bolt down to one of the anchors and get off this thing um, so we climbed about 4 metres sideways and I'd had like a bow beaner from the first time we'd gone up and I didn't really want to use it um, but it was just like yeah we need to get off safely well, as safe as possible yeah. don't ever like wrap off single bolts <laughs> but anyway <laughs> if you've got to do what you've got to do um, so yeah, we went over and we wrapped down off that single bolt, made it to the anchors of this bolted route that we knew, and then wrapped a couple of pitches down that, and then right at the end, like the last pitch is like forty-five meters or something, and well, we bought it. No, oh, no, sorry, we didn't have an eighty-meter rope. We had a sixty-meter rope, I think. Whatever, whatever. I think you rope, said sixty on the yeah on Facebook, yeah. Sixty. On yeah, that was. <laughs> which would good. explain. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, anyway, like, uh, similar wrapped. So, we were both on one end of the rope from the last anchor mm-hmm. just to get down quickly because it was because of the rain mm-hmm. we thought was coming pretty quick. So, we we're like, oh, we both putting it down pretty quick. Um, so, similar wrapped down that and then both ended up like five or six meters above the ground <laughs> <laughs> and went and just kind of disconnected from the rope. Um, carefully and just scrambled the last bit and then just as we touched down the rain which we thought was just going to come and smash us on the walkout just kind of dissipated and just disappeared and we're like okay like the mountain just really didn't want us to do this at this time and it just sort of said go away (laughs) and we did and so we safely made it back to the ground and then yeah walked out and yeah, when else?
0: Yeah. I mean, kind of lucky that uh you, that the Rubicon bolts were so close actually. I mean, yeah. not that, you know, if if you need a bail safely and you have to leave behind your own gear, obviously you should yeah. always do that, but it yeah. is nice to not have to leave yeah. anything behind. Yeah. I've never had to do it before, so You've never had to no, do it? Never to My god, I do it every me. bloody weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I never left anything behind, so um yeah just to bail off a single bolt was okay um i had i had done that once before doing sunburnt buttress have you ever done that Rick? no i haven't done uh, it it's like good but then at the end it says to just wrap down through all these anchors and we started wrapping down and we we're like i can't find the bloody anchor <laughs> and i had some gear as well and just found a single bolt with happen to have a placement next to it and i just put a placement and there and had two pieces, brought my mate down, but then I had to go through the single bolt and I didn't leave the piece actually because that um, particular hanger was like a really curved one. It wasn't sharp and I just put the rope straight through. And <laughs> Not up. advisable. Yes, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think definitely you always got to be prepared to bail and be prepared to leave gear behind if you have to because your life's more important than gear. Um, but in that case, you didn't have to. So Ooh. okay.
0: But yeah, bell beaners yeah. always very, very handy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. I've actually got one like a rated, really small beaner on my chalk bag. Um, like it's like a mini beaner, but it's actually rated, so it's always there. Oh, like right? a Malian? No, no, it's like a proper beaner. Oh, right. The like make this tiny little beaner. Um, oh. that is like, yeah, it's rated as much as a normal big beaner, but it's oh, really cool. small, so. Um, just sort of have it on us all the time. That's
0: really handy, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. yeah, a
1: good
0: idea. So explain. Um, we were kind of talking about this before. You kind of touched on it. The um, significance of of switching to the Gri You sort of explained that your when uh, your climbing partner fell, that your hand was kind of trapped underneath yeah. the rope. Did you? Were you like not able to sort of you know lock it properly or?
1: Um, I've already locked it at the point when he's fallen and Because the piece would still take a bit of force to pull out. So at that point it's already caught as such Um, So I've already pulled it down and caught it But then as he's fallen past me It's made because he's fallen below me. So normally if you're playing someone then normally like above you Um, And you're pulling down on the device and that's pinching the rope and causing it to break the rope Um, But when they've fallen past you and there's no other pieces above um, It's basically the rope is pulling sideways and downwards Um, And because I used a Grigri and my arm had been trapped it had kind of locked um, As the ropes traveled past me and over my arm, it's kind of locked the device extra as well And at that point as well, I was like, if I had an ATC and with an ATC, because it's not self-locking, it's completely reliant on you pulling down and creating force to stop the rope traveling through the device. Um, I was like, if I'd used an ATC at this point, I'm not sure if once the rope traveled over my arm, whether I, because at that point you'd have to have almost upward force on the rope to to stop the rope being pulled through and downwards, um. So, yeah, I'm not too sure what would have happened in that case because if my arm had been trapped and I couldn't create some sort of force in the opposite direction of where he'd fallen, um. Technically, I suppose the rope could just keep travelling through the device, and he, yeah, fallen down as well. So
0: yeah, that's a really good lesson because usually, I mean. I, I don't know, is it standard that you take both of your belay devices when you're uh, doing an adventure plan? All.
1: I think most people would probably even just have ATC yeah. just because of the weight, because mm. the grigree is pretty heavy. Um, and to be honest, in the past, most of the time I have always just had ATCs. Um, but yeah, just at this point I decided, I don't know, have both devices. Yeah. Um, but it's also good, uh, even if you take... You know, two ATCs, it's always good to have an extra device because if you're um, climbing you drop a device, unless you know how to do, like, um, a munter hitch, you know, <laughs> like abseil, then you're pretty screwed. So.
0: See episode 12 for more information <laughs> about how not to do a munter hitch. Oh. <laughs> 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 From me personally. Oh, <laughs> and I guess you did actually make another really good point about why a gregory would be use- really useful on like uncharted territory or you know loose terrain, is yeah. because you know if something comes off the wall and hits you and you know potentially knocks you out, yeah. you want to have something that auto locks. oh
1: definitely. Um, I'm sure if you look back through like the history of um, fatalities and injuries, like there's plenty of cases where someone has fallen to their death because their blade has been knocked out and they haven't had like a self locking device. Mm -hmm. um so it's really just like weighing up the risk of um having it or not like you know plenty of people just climb with ATCs it's fine but um yeah I don't know in that case I just took it and and I think I think it helped in the situation yeah but again like you just assess these things when they happen and it may or may not have contributed Mm -hmm. to catching the fall um and,
0: you know, helping. But, yeah, made yeah, you feel so. better. <laughs> yeah, it did make me feel better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, don't, I
1: don't mind carrying this bit of extra weight.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing I'm curious about as well um, that I started talking about before and then kind of left it is yeah. um, you said, um, and you made a point of mentioning this in the initial trip report that you wrote as well, that you were bummed to blow your on-site, yeah, which yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. But I, what I'm curious about is whether that ever has, or in this situation, whether you kind of tossed up what you were going to do because you didn't want to blow your on-site. Does it ever, like, inform your safety choices or lack of oh, safety like, choices? <laughs>
1: no, I, I don't think so. I don't know when in the past when I've just done things ground up and on-site um i don't particularly pick objectives that seem ridiculously hard like i'm not going to look at a wall and go oh that looks impossible i'm just going to try it from the ground um you're going to look at it and go oh that looks possible because you, obviously you're not going to try it if it's not you're not going to like try to climb up a 50 degree overhanging wall just because it looks possible either um yeah so you just pick your battles and I always try to, like, pick something that, you know, I think I can do, and, yeah, it's worked out so far. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think this experience in particular, like, I think it just makes me reassess um, all my choices that I'm doing. I think in the past I have done dodgy of and just gone, oh, they're not going to fall there, like, because it might be really easy train. But since this has happened... I'm like, you know, if someone does fall, anything can happen. Um, If someone does fall, like, your blade needs to be, like, super solid. Like, you hear so many stories of people, like, they get up to where their blade is and, like, they're tied up to a piece of grass and, like, something, you know, dead. And they're, like, you know, freak out. And nothing happened at that point because the the person didn't fall and nothing happened. But, yeah, so easy to, like, just... something to go completely wrong
0: so yeah and it doesn't always have to be human error I guess it could be like for example a rock just coming loose above it could be a swooping falcon it could be a bee or a snake in a hole you know there's a lot of other factors you know you could be the strongest climber in the world and something could still go horribly wrong so um, yeah it's definitely something to to consider And do you think, I mean, do you ever think about that section of rock up the top that you saw from Halfway House that kind of started all of this Um, and go, maybe there is a way? Well,
1: there is always a way, (laughs) Um, because I've got bolting gear. So it's just in this particular technique of just trying to go ground up trad, it didn't work. Um, But like anyone shown on any piece of rock like if you want to be able to climb it like there's normally a way there's normally some sort of holes like chipping besides like people shouldn't be chipping rock and stuff um but you know if i was really determined and i wanted to like force a route basically up there um i could always get up to halfway house wrap down through the line like Find where gear is. If there's sections with no gear, like saying that little roof section where I couldn't find a way up, you know, I could get down there and put a bolt there um, and force a line if I wanted to. But I don't think that's not my ethic for that particular style of climbing. Like, yeah, I'm happy to go and bolt a uh, route somewhere in an area where there's like lots of bolted routes um, because that's kind of like the ethic of the area. But I really just really like that style of like doing something trad ground up. Um, and I don't want to for the same reason I'm trying to do it on site and not just wrapping the line and seeing if it's possible um, I don't want to just force the line either like I could go back and just take i've got a pretty light drill and I could get up to that same section, reach up, drill a bolt in, you know hook myself in and get over that little roof and then maybe see what's above you know and I had thought about that like as well because it it is a way to do it, but um yeah I don't know. I didn't really think about it until you contacted me and I was like, oh, there's that that line I never got to put around. So maybe, I don't know, next time I'm there, I'll probably look back and I'll see that same little bit of rock and it'll intrigue me again and, you know, I might like explore it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, because it's an interesting point that you make about, you know, not wanting to um, sort of um, encroach on you know the ethic in that area, but lots of people yeah. would argue you were you know four meters away from Rubicon, which is bolted. Yeah. So yeah. you know, yeah. there are bolts on the wall. Oh yeah,
1: there's definitely bolts on the wall. Um, but there's definitely there's many styles of climbing, and they're all um, you know as justified as each other. Like, and I think the good thing about some somewhere like Tibro is that they can all live together on the same wall, and it's really Good. and you can have mixed routes too you, know? you can have routes with track gear and have bolts where there's no gear to place um, but yeah I think being like really close to like a classical route like clemency it just felt wrong to try and like force something else up there so it's just something I tried to do and it didn't work out and (laughs) so I probably won't try again (laughs) I'll move on to like yeah other areas bigger and better things
0: so is this going to be called... Um, wait, I've forgotten the name of the the new route that you completed. Uh, yeah, Celestine Prophecy. Celestine Prophecy Variant Middle. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're calling this. No, I, I
1: actually already had a name like line up for it if we would succeeded. <laughs> but it didn't succeed, so I didn't use the name.
0: Okay, well we'll sit on that then unless you're willing to share it. Uh, I would. I could write like a dissertation on the way that people decide to name climbing yeah, routes. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, what's your... Do you have like a, you know, a, um, I don't know, a style for naming new routes?
1: Um, I, well, when we had this uh, trip to Kania, we were actually all sitting around the fireplace eating dinner and um, in just in normal conversation we were talking and then like someone would just say something and it's nothing to do with climbing even. And I'm like, that's a really good climbing route name. Yeah. So I actually whipped my phone out and I went into notes and I started just like writing down names yeah. of like things that sounded like cool route names. Um, but yeah, so I actually have now like a big collection of names that I, if I'm doing a new route now, I actually go back to that and I'm like, oh, that looks appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> like I use that. Um, but generally, if you're like bolting in a certain area, there's, there's sometimes like a theme, you know, like um, when you, when we were bolting at the sanctuary, we had like a bit of a theme on the different walls. And so we try to have names that were with, within that theme. Um, and even at Nindri like um, there's kind of themes in the areas, but like yeah. the one, the 19 that I've done, I called Read Between the Lines because it, there was like this unbolted section between like existing lines that have been there for 10 years and like just read between the lines. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like an obvious route there. Um, so yeah.
0: I like it. Okay. For anybody who, um, you know, has dabbled in a little bit of, um, ground up trad first ascending, or anybody yeah. who is uh, interested in doing that. Do you yeah. have any advice?
1: Um, set really good blaze, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, Just be prepared. Like, I think a lot of it's a mind game. Um, You just wanna be um, confident in placing your gear. Um, You probably want more gear than you think you're gonna need because it's a whole nother thing to to try and travel really light and have like hardly anything because you're probably gonna get yourself into trouble. At least if you have more gear than you need, you can always bail if you need to or you can put extra gear in if you're freaking out or whatever um so that's good like safety wise and just pick things that are within your you think are in your ability as well um don't get yourself in too deep
0: and a lot of that comes down to experience as well right like you've yeah. had a, you've got a lot of years under your belt yeah. to, to help you risk assess right
1: yeah oh definitely like definitely risk assessment um and yeah, when you're going tra- uh, ground up, you're just finding the weakness, like you're looking for the, the place that takes the gear, the place where the holds are, um, and you, also you're definitely going to encounter like loose rock and spiders and spider webs, because it's unclean, no one's been on there before, and, but that's the appeal of it, is that you can look up at a section of rock and you're like, I oh, know no one's ever been there before um and you're like the first one to try and sort of make your way through there and find sort of a path
0: yeah. yeah and what you said before is really true like you when you're first dissenting you don't know if you can do it because no one else has done it so what yeah. you're doing by you know completing a first ascent is showing people that they can do it too right yeah yeah. trailblazer. Yeah.
1: Oh, and then sometimes you fail and, <laughs> and you take a big whipper and then you just got to like skulk off the rock. Well, that's um, fine too. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't mean it can't be done either. Like someone else will come along that's stronger or, you know, braver or whatever, or more stupid. <laughs> <laughs> or a combination. Yeah, or a combination of those things. And um, they'll find a way through. And I think that's r- the really exciting thing about climbing too, is that, um, you know, when you read... Uh, like Michael Meadows' book, like the Living Rock, and you see what they were putting up in the sixties, um, and then the, the roots that came later. Like, like there's uh, equipment advances, there's training advances. Like even from when I started 13 years ago, like the kids nowadays are like in the gyms training. They're just like beasts. <laughs> like so, the the kind of climbing that they're going to produce in the years to come is going to be incredible. It's going to be way harder and you know, probably better than what we're doing. Um, So, yeah, whatever you're doing at any point in time is not the be-all and end-all what's possible. Um, There's always someone that can take it
0: somewhere else. Totally. Thanks, Matt, for sharing your story. Not a problem. It's been really nice getting to know you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting (laughs) me to tell my story. Thanks for listening to The Bail List. I set up the top of the episode, but I want to say it again. I appreciate everyone who's continued to reach out and ask about new episodes. It's really exciting and motivated to see that you're interested. I also really appreciate people who have put forward stories for new episodes. I'm slowly making my way through all of the content and I will get back to you but I do need to be honest, this year's release schedule probably won't be quite as frequent as last year. I want to make sure the episodes are high quality or as high quality as they can be on a budget. And I want to make sure that the stories are worthy and well told. So all that is to say, I still will be here talking about misadventures and climbing, and I hope you'll stick around for the ride. Tell your friends, follow The Bail List on Facebook and Instagram at The Bail List, and send me, your fails, bails and epics. I will get back to you. Thanks as always to Awesome Woodies and Wild Earth for supporting the podcast. Go follow them on the socials as well. Speak to you soon.